Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives! What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You oh. know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Miss me? Did you miss me? It's only been, uh, you know, what? Four hours since I was on last. I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I like it. Guys go on vacation, you know, sell at Legoland. Looks like a hell of a time. Um, Murph and Tasker, I'm sure, went somewhere for the bye week. Anybody else on vacation? Mike Shope's somewhere. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm enjoying myself though. I'm, I'm enjoying myself right here. I'll go on vacation when everybody else is back. So I'm with you tonight for an hour until we get Thursday night football rolling. The biggest line in Thursday night football history. The Patriots are a 16 and a half point favorite. When is New England going to play somebody? Like when does New England play somebody that doesn't stink? It's amazing. I thought the Bills' schedule was easy. I thought the Bills had gimme games. You know, the Bills have at least beat Andy Dalton, and they had to play Sam Darnold in the Jets, and they, you know, played Brady, and they just played Mariota, who's, you know, it's Mariota. It's not, nothing to write home about. New England, I mean, they're, they're playing Colt McCoy and Luke Falk, and was Ryan Fitzpatrick in when they played the Dolphins? Like, they are playing gimme games. The only quarterback they've played that doesn't flat out stink is Roethlisberger. And he's his elbow might have been screwed up when they played in week one. So this is not the team I think that you want to make the argument that, hey, they haven't beat anybody. I don't I don't trust them. No, they're New England. Like it's true they haven't beat anybody, but they're New England. So you they get the benefit of the doubt. Um But here they here we go again. They're playing another team. That just, it seems like they've got no chance. And the Giants at least have a quarterback. Daniel Jones looks really good early in his career. Um, but who's he throwing to tonight? <laughs> who's he throwing to? New England. They're getting all these breaks. No Saquon Barkley. No Evan Ingram. No Sterling Shepard. Hell, no Wayne Gallman. Barkley's backup isn't even playing. Patriots are going to roll him tonight at home, I would assume. And um, that's part of what makes it tough for the Bills to try to, you know, think about the division and think about that being a possibility. It's going to be tough for them to keep pace with New England when they're playing teams like this over and over. Now, unlike the Bills, the Bills' schedule softens in the next month or so. New England's does toughen up. Like, they have played some easy, gimme games so far. But those are about to come to an end. They do have a, you know, 
a fairly tough stretch coming up. They get the Jets next week. That's Darnold back. You know, that doesn't have to be a gimme. The Jets, I think, I'm going to start, I'm going to think about the Jets with Darnold the way I thought about them coming into the season. I thought they were just about as good as the Bills. Right around there. And I think seeing the Bills' defense through five weeks, the Jets team that I thought we were going to see this season was isn't as good as what the Bills have looked like. But I think the Jets with Darnold is a competent team. You know, the defense isn't elite like the Bills' defense, but it's good, and the offense should be good. So maybe at home, Monday Night Football next week, uh, the Patriots could run in some trouble there. Then they get the Browns, who I know have looked like They've looked terrible, but there's still a lot of talent there. I want to, I want to, I want to hold off before just declaring that that's over in Cleveland. So they play them. Then they got Baltimore on the road. It's not the easiest game in the world, although Baltimore hasn't beaten anybody. Uh, then they have to go to Philadelphia. That's a tough game. Then they've got to play the Cowboys. Could be a tough game. At Houston's a tough game. Kansas City's a tough game. So they might only have, you know. Four or five tough games left, but they are all coming up uh, after tonight. So the the easy stretch of the Patriots' schedule might finally be over. But for now, they got one more game, and they'll play the uh, the Giants tonight. Hell, hell, you never know. Daniel Jones. Let's, let's see. Let's see a miraculous Daniel Jones statement game. Hey guys, I'm here. I'm in the NFL, and I'm ready to go. And he just beats New England and Foxborough. That'd be great. Um, I'm not gonna hold my hat on that happening, eh, but you never know. So that's coming up at uh, 8.20, just over an hour away from kickoff. Our coverage on WGR starts at 8 o'clock, and it'll be good at least to have a rooting interest. It might only be through one or two quarters if the game gets away from them, but it'll be good to have a rooting interest in this game. I'm sure all Bills fans will be pulling for the Giants. The Speaking of the Bills, and speaking of the division, and speaking of expectations and schedules, I was on with my brother earlier, Lou DiBiase, here on WGR, and... Once we really got rolling, we were getting into trade discussions with callers and trade conversations. Stefan Diggs uh, is my favorite idea. A.J. Green was one of my brother's favorite ideas. I hate that idea. But A.J. Green, man, he's a guy that could be out there. Some little back and forth maybe in the media between him and his coach today. A.J. Green says, when asked about a trade, I'm ready for anything. Then Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach, says, we are definitely not trading A.J. Green. Okay, sure. I don't believe you, um, but go ahead. You can say it. He's 32. He's got an expiring contract. He reportedly is unlikely to sign with you, but go ahead. Don't trade him. Don't get something for the guy that's going to walk away and is injured, by the way, anyway, but is going to walk away in six months' time. Uh, yeah, sure. Don't trade him. So AJ Green's an idea. Von Miller, the Broncos may be looking to sell off pieces and veterans. Um Maybe Von Miller, although I still would guess he's not going to get dealt. Jalen Ramsey. There are all these star players that could be available. New England is in a spot because they're New England, and they're generally, they've been in the spot. They're in position to make a big move. Why? Because they are all in on winning the Super Bowl right now. That is all New England thinks about. Their expectations are Super Bowl or bust. That is not our existence. That is not what the Bills are this season. Okay, we might be competing with New England for the division, but their aspirations are different than the Bills. I would say today, a great outcome for the Bills this season is still just making the playoffs, which is fine. This is the blueprint plan. It would be the first time they make the playoffs with their blueprint. Two years ago, they just kind of... You know, they got in with what they had left with the leftovers of the uh, the Rex Ryan, Doug Whaley era. 
Now, like, these are their guys. This is their plan. This is their quarterback. This is their defense. Get in with that. And that's going to feel really good, even if they lose in the first round. Say they go to Indy and lose, or they go to Houston, or they go to Baltimore, and they end up losing a close playoff game. We're all going to feel really good about the season, and we're all going to feel really good about the future. If that happened in New England, if they don't win the division, first of all, which would be crazy, but if they don't win the division, and then they lose in the first round to Baltimore or Indy, Boston is going to be up in arms they're going to to total failure total failure that team that would treat a first round exit as a complete and utter disaster is the team that goes out and trades for AJ Green i don't think the team that would treat a first round exit as a success trades for AJ Green he is a great player when he is healthy i still believe even at 32 from when we saw him last, at the end of last year, at 32, he is still a top five wide receiver in football. He is fast. He is big. He is can get off the ground with a verti- nice vertical. He's got great hands. He is an elite wide receiver. But what am I trying to do this season? Am I trying to win the Super Bowl? Sure, okay, I'm trying to win the Super Bowl. But am I planning on winning the Super Bowl? Am I planning on being right there? Is that the move that puts me over the top to doing that? Because if it's not, which to me it isn't, I need to see more from Josh Allen for sure in this offense before I'm thinking about that. Then I'm not making that move. Because that guy is 32. He has an injury history. His contract is expiring and he can walk away in less than a year. Why am I doing it? Especially when... Jason Lock on 4 of CBS, and he doesn't have to be right. He is reporting that that team is getting offers of a first-round pick for A.J. Green. I don't want the Bills to touch that asking price. Nowhere near it. You're going to give away a first-round pick for a guy that's going to walk out the door? You better win the Super Bowl this year. You better win. You better make it to the conference championship at least. You better win two playoff games. Your expectations immediately rocket up. If you trade for AJ Green. And you know. That that would be a good thing. Like that would be fine. It would be exciting. Because high expectations like that would be awesome. To think about. Hey let's go. Let's go to the AFC Championship game. They, they want to go. They're trading for AJ Green. Let's do it. But realistically. That is thinking like a fan. That is thinking like a fan. And I would expect this GM. And coach. By the way they've operated business wise. Not to think like a fan. A fan in that seat, trades for A.J. Green. A professional GM, I think, does not make that move. Because long-term, what is that doing for me? There are other moves that could help you long-term that accomplish the same feat. I love the idea of Stefan Diggs. Talked about this last week a lot on my show. I am all in on that idea. He is good. He is very good. Like He is a number one wide receiver in the league. He's not elite like A.J. Green, but he's an elite number one wide receiver. Fast, big, not as big as A.J. Green, but I think he's 6'1". Great route runner, great hands. He Stephon Diggs almost reminds me of what we all hoped that Zay Jones would be. You know, just overall really good. Does he do anything particularly amazing? No, I would say no. But he just does everything really, really good. That's Stefan Diggs. And he's 25 and he's under contract. 
So if I'm giving up a first-round pick, that's where I'm doing that. Then there's the Von Miller idea that came up. And I found it interesting that when we had ESPN's Marcel Louis-Jacques, the Bills reporter for ESPN, on with us today, earlier, and we asked him about big trades. Like, are the Bills in a position to do something like that? And once he got to Von Miller, he brought him up on his own. He was talking like it was going to happen. He was talking in the sense of, you know, he mentioned how um, Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott will use him when he gets here. Or when they when they have him, or something like that. And I don't think he knows anything. I don't think he's meaning it that way. But I think he that's him really liking that idea and thinking maybe it's realistic. And I had not thought about Von Miller before today, realistically. But I do like the idea. Not as much as the Diggs idea. Probably not even close for me. But I do like it. He is one franchise player they don't have. They don't have a franchise number one wide receiver for the long term. They don't have a franchise pass rusher. They don't even have hopefuls for that right now. You know, left tackle, they have a hopeful. Deion Dawkins for quarterback, Allen, is a hopeful. Tremaine Edmonds, middle linebacker. Like, those guys are at least somewhat good, so I think you can expect that they're going to hold down the fort there. But none of them are, like, all-pro players yet, if you know what I mean. Von Miller is 30, but he plays a position... Where players at that level, that all-pro level, seem to last really long. James Harrison played into his 40s. Uh, Dwight Freeney just retired like a year or two ago. Robert Mathis lasted forever. Um, Julius Peppers just retired. Who else am I missing here? Anybody? Charles Suggs, still playing in Arizona. Guys are playing really long careers at that position. And not everybody has to do that. But 30 years old for Von Miller is not 32 years old for A.J. Green. Not at all. I think A.J. Green, even if the Bills signed him to an extension, which would probably cost a fortune, which is fine, they got the cap space, but if they signed him to an extension, how much longer can I expect A.J. Green to be playing at the level he's playing at? Two years? Three years? Tops? We saw Demarius Thomas in Denver, and then Houston, and then New England, and now with the Jets. He's been on four teams in less than a year. Over a year ago, the, barely over a year ago, like the beginning of last season, I'm plenty of people probably would still consider Demarius Thomas one of the best wide receivers in football. Great career. He had that one insane year with uh, Peyton Manning. And, hey, he's only, he's younger than A.J. Green, by the way. He was 30 years old. He's 31 right now. Big seasons. Just only a couple years ago. Before 2017, 949 yards, 83 catches, 5 touchdowns. Year before that, 90 catches, 1,083 yards, 5 touchdowns. Year before that, 105 catches, 1,300 yards, 6 touchdowns. This guy was still really good. He hit a wall last year. Even before he got his injury. He hit a wall at age 30. 31, actually. He's 32 right now. And now he's just bouncing around the league, looking to find his spot. He's with the Jets right now. Maybe he'll latch on. Maybe he won't. I'd be afraid that happens to A.J. Green. And he's had the injury history. He has played no games this season, and he only played nine games last season. He's getting injured. He's expensive. He's old. Yes, he does play the position I'm looking for a franchise player. But 
Diggs has the age, has the contract, and does also have the talent. And then Von Miller. Kind of in between both. But the difference is that's on defense. That is the franchise pass rusher, which I also don't think they really have right now. Do they need that, though? Like, what does he make me? If I trade for Von Miller tomorrow, I think the Bills might already have the best defense in football. Okay, the Patriots are the team you would argue that most with. And who have the Patriots played? I went through their schedule earlier. They played Colt McCoy and Josh Rosen or Fitzpatrick. And uh, they're going to play Daniel Jones tonight. They played uh, Luke Falk. Like, come on. Who have they played? The Bills, you know, they haven't played the elite quarterbacks of the league, but they played Brady and they played Dalton, and they held Mariota to seven points. Like, they've done a great job against some average quarterbacks and then one elite quarterback. They're playing out of their minds on that side of the football. So, what does Von Miller do for me? Well, there's one thing he could do for me. He could take my defense from best in the league and turn it into historically great. And then, and only then, am I thinking about winning multiple playoff games, I think. Maybe it would change if they traded for Diggs tomorrow. In fact, it probably would. But I think the Von Miller trade would still do that for me. Even though it's on the defensive side of the football, and even though their defense is already great. Imagine that defense, as loaded as they are in the secondary, with Poyer, Hyde, Wallace is great, Tredavis White, As great as they've been this year at linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, they've been so good at linebacker, they don't even come off the field when teams are playing from behind, throwing it all over the place. Most teams in the league will go to a dime package, or they'll go with seven defensive backs. The Chargers last year played, I think, New England, or maybe they played somebody without a linebacker. They had safeties playing linebacker. That's how a lot of teams play the pass. Not with all defensive backs, but with a lot of them. The Bills, man, Milano, Edmonds, they don't come off the field. They cover space. You can have them on the field, and they can cover wide receivers. And it's not ideal, but it's also not the biggest mismatch you've ever seen. Like, they'll hold their own. So the linebackers are great. The secondary is great. The defensive line is good, but it's not dominant. This is not 2014 with Mario Williams and Darius and Kyle Williams and Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes is good, but... If he's my best defensive lineman, then I only have a good defensive line, I think. Von Miller is not only great, Von Miller is an all-pro. This is one of the best pass rushers in football. I think I would put him second right after Khalil Mack. And even if you think there's someone out there that might be better than him, he's right there at the top. The Bills don't have that player. And I'm thinking about how dominant their defense could be with him. Maybe there is another level that they could unlock here. And if that happens, what are we talking about as a team? Because even though it rarely happens, we do see see teams go on deep playoff runs with defenses like that. And it doesn't even have to be just Super Bowl winners. You know, you might think of Trent Dilfer and the the Ravens. You might think of the Buccaneers under John Gruden. You might think of the Giants with Eli and the the amazing pass rush they had that held Brady to, to, uh, did they hold Brady to 14 points in that first Super Bowl? Or you might think of Denver. With Von Miller, with Peyton Manning, who had nine touchdowns that season and won the Super Bowl, which is amazing to me that that still happened. He had like nine touchdowns and 18 interceptions, and he won the freaking Super Bowl. With that as your quarterback. 
You, it doesn't even just have to be like there's the there's the Jaguars a couple years ago. They didn't win the Super Bowl, but they were a quarter away from getting there, and they had Blake Bortles as their quarterback. And the Bills got Josh Allen. Like it's not like Josh Allen is out here throwing the ball for his linemen's heads like Bortles was. Like he's at least somewhat good so far, if not even really good. Just got to clean up those turnovers. But he's he's good, I think, right now. You put a good quarterback. With a, hopefully, they can stay above average offense. They're 11th, I think, right or 12th right now in uh, total yards. And then you turn that defense from maybe the best in the league to, hey, they're historically good. Which could happen with Von Miller. And suddenly, maybe we are talking about winning multiple playoff games. Which is a reality that has not existed here in decades. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So that's the upside of the Von Miller trade. The downside is, man, is he expensive. That is a quarter. That is a star quarterback contract. His cap hit for this year and next year is twenty-five million dollars. Twenty-five million for a defensive player. Yeah, that's a lot. And then it's twenty-two, by the way, the year after that. So it's a hefty chunk of change. He would easily be the Bills' most expensive player. But they can afford it. They can really afford it. They have the cap space to make it work this year. They have over $25 million in cap space. Next year, they have 88 So, it works for now. And the other thing about it is, it's not a super long-term contract. There's an out after this year. There's another out after the year after that. There is some dead cap involved, but it's not crazy. So when the Bills go down the line and they have to, 2021 is the year I'm looking at. I mean, they'll have to decide on Tredavis White this year, but 2021, you look at their UFA list right now, Tredavis White, Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano, Jordan Poyer. Four players right there. Maybe not, we'll see what happens with Jordan Poyer. He'll be 30, but I mean, he should, at this rate, he's going to be playing at a high level uh, even then. Four players that all could get big contracts. You're going to want to pay them. Even with Von Miller's contract, I still think you're able to do that. There's so much cap space coming. And because it's only a three-year deal, and because you can kind of get out of some of the money, even if a lot of the money maybe, um, in the, after the second year, but you can get out of a lot of the money, you still have the flexibility to be able to move on from him down the road if you want and keep these other guys. So you got to kind of weigh that. Do I want Von Miller for two, three years? Or maybe even longer? If I want him longer, then maybe I have to say goodbye to somebody. Maybe I have to say goodbye to Poyer. Which, you know, if it comes down to it, I think I'd rather have 32-year-old Von Miller than 30-year-old Jordan Poyer. But you can make that decision if you make the trade. He's worth the price. Green is not to me. Diggs is to me. And so is Von Miller. Let's just say, for comparison, it's it's the Khalil Mack trade. That's what it costs. The Khalil Mack trade is two first-round picks, and you get the player, and you get a second back. That's a lot. 
And with the contract, it's a huge investment. But an investment like that, I think we've seen this with the Bears, can be worth it if the player is that good, is Hall of Fame level. And Von Miller is Hall of Fame level. So it's not a perfect idea. They don't need to do it, but I like it. Because it's, one, not all in on this season. It's thinking about the next couple years as well. Their window here with a rookie court, with a, a quarterback on a rookie deal. While it also possibly makes my defense one of the best we've seen since, you know, put them right up there with the Denver defense that won the Super Bowl and the Seattle defense, the Legion of Boom. Like, put them right up there with that. If they add that guy, could be super exciting. 803 is the phone number. I just do, do want to be clear. Diggs is my favorite idea, though, of any of these big trade ideas. You got any thoughts on this? You, you want the Bills to do this? Do you even think they're in a position to be thinking like this for a big move? Let me know what you think. Um, we'll get into a little bit of Sabres before we get out of here as well. I do have a thought on the game last night, and there's... I don't want to keep beating a dead horse, but... 17, man, still on that second line. When will it end? It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi, 803-0550 is the phone number. If you call right now in the next five minutes, we'll get you right on to start the next segment here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Got about 23 minutes until we get to Thursday Night Football, Giants and Patriots. That'll be here on WGR. Let's uh, get to our interview of the day, but I'm going to actually pull it from yesterday. I think it deserves it. Greg Cosell with One Bills Live is always good, and uh, I like to give everyone a chance to hear that for a second time. So let's get to that. We'll make the interview of the day uh, Greg Cosell, even though it was yesterday. So here is Greg from NFL Films, ESPN Matchup. Good stuff on the Bills. I thought really good stuff on the Bills linebackers in here. Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, he talks about specifically. Here is Greg with the guys. Greg Cosell, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us here. Thanks for shifting to Wednesday this week, Greg. Oh, Murph, how could I not? we got to talk about those 4 and one bills. There you go. Are you sincere about that? I, I don't know if I can get the full sincerity yeah. from you on that. <laughs> I'm totally sincere. <laughs> Jeez, hey, Steve knows this. He played. You know this. They've played five games. They've won four of them. That's a good thing. <clears throat> I'm asking about your sincerity of uh, how, how much you appreciate what's going on here. Um, what do you think? Oh, of, I mean, they don't... i got to tell you. Yeah. What I really appreciate is the defense of Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier. That is a fun defense to watch. And just the fundamental execution, the little tweaks here and there, it's it's a really fun defense to watch. One of the things I've been describing, and I said, you know, it's hard not to say the Bills are a good football team, and I don't know if I'm really going to say they're a good or, or great team, but here's the thing that I – the way I characterize them, Greg, and see what you think. I think they're a team, good or bad, they're hard to beat. Uh, because of their defense, and I think that's how I characterize them. It's hard to say they're really good because they have trouble scoring points, but they are very difficult to beat. That's a great point, and I think that, you know, I've talked to NFL coaches, offensive coaches, who always tell me that going up against a Sean McDermott uh, defense is is a very tough assignment. And, you, you know, you have Sean, you have Leslie Frazier, you have a lot of experience in that defensive room, coaching staff, and this is a tough defense to play against. You know, it's a defense, as you know, guys, that doesn't look exciting because it's not high percentage blitz. They don't bring people from all over the field. You know, they blitz here and there when it's they selectively blitz, and they can be very effective when they do that. But it's really a defense that lines up 
plays, plays really efficiently, doesn't make mistakes, is not out of position. Um, I, you know, I love their safeties, Poyer and Hyde, guys that probably don't get a lot of national recognition. Uh, but I guarantee that the offenses that game plan against the Bills know what they're doing. I love the little personnel wrinkles playing Marlowe against 12 personnel, playing Neal against 11 personnel on first and second down, and then obviously Kevin Johnson comes in when it's your, your conventional nickel. You know, so little things like that can cause some issues for offenses. Greg, we were talking about, in fact, we did a Twitter poll yesterday or the day before on our show about this Buffalo defense is really devoid of any star power, right? And we asked people to name who's well, the best player on the Buffalo defense, and we had six or seven legitimate candidates for that. That would be nationally, Murph. And, and again, you know, you grew up and, you, and you've been in Buffalo for a long, long time. You know, that, that's, a, that's a national thing. You know, watching tape is a whole different animal. You know, Tremaine Edmonds has made a major jump from last year to this year. Matt Milano is a really, really good player. Tredavious White is a top five corner in the league. Um, so, you know, what they don't have is that marquee pass rusher. Jerry Hughes has been a good player for a number of years, but, you know, people don't say Von Miller, Jerry Hughes. So, uh, you know, I think that they don't have the marquee D lineman that you think of as the great rusher, but they've got a lot of good football players. And like I said, I think those two safeties are really, really good. Well, who do you think the MVP of their defense is? Oh, boy, that's a hard question. Um, <laughs> yeah, How about is. Leslie Frazier? Yeah, could be. Uh. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I mentioned this to you guys last year before he got hurt, but I, I think uh, Matt Milano is a really important piece of this defense. Now, I know he missed some time in this game as well, and they ended up playing uh, Maurice Alexander, who's actually a former safety, and uh, and then they played uh, Alexander, uh, Lamar Alexander, in, in that role. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think that, that Milano to me is a really, really good player. And, you know, he's not a guy that gets talked about nationally, obviously. With Greg Cosell, he is executive producer, analyst of NFL Matchup on ESPN, longtime senior producer in NFL Films. All right, let's talk about the Buffalo offense. Let's talk about Josh Allen, Greg, and your review of his game against Tennessee. Uh, Josh mentioned after the game he thought it was his most complete game of the year. Did you see elements of that? What did you think of his performance? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because I thought there were a couple of throws in this game that were really the kinds of throws that you look at and say, that's a step up. Now, look, he has to get rid of those. Well, let's put it this way. You walk a fine line with quarterbacks who have great second reaction improvisational ability. And ultimately what you hope happens is they learn from their mistakes. So obviously the interception to Bayard, you have to learn from that. You know, he had three the week before against uh, the Patriots. You have to learn from that. But I thought there were some really, really good throws in this game where, uh, by the way, against a defensive coordinator who's really, really good. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was an 11-yard completion to Duke Williams on third and four in the second quarter where I thought that Allen showed tremendous patience in the pocket where he scanned from right to left and stayed very comfortable and poised in the pocket. You know, I thought that was a really good example of a play that showed improvement. Um, you know, there were a couple of other plays. I think he hit Brown on, a, uh, on an out route um, a little later in the game where I thought he showed uh, just it was a really he showed pocket movement, as I recall. He stepped away from the rush, stayed poised and composed, stayed balanced with a firm base and made a really good throw. So there were a couple of plays snaps in this game where I thought the improvement was was 
was well, let's put it this way where I, I hope he's trending in the right direction with more consistency yeah we've seen him have games a little bit like this one before uh but then he'll come back and have a game like he did against the the uh, New England Patriots where he'll throw three interceptions and they look silly. The yeah. one interception he had in this game was much different than the ones he threw against in, uh, New England in that he tried to throw it hard down the middle, tried to gun it in, and it was just too late in the route. Much different feel to that interception than there was the ones he threw it up for grabs in New England. Yeah, I thought the ones in New England, Steve, you're right. The ones in New England had a little bit of a panic feel, and I hate to use that word, but right. I'm just being honest based on – on I saw them live, and then I watched the tape, and they had a little bit of a panic feel to them. This particular one, he was moving to his left, and the player who intercepted the ball, Bayard, came from the other side of the field, and he just didn't see it. He was throwing, if I'm not mistaken, to Beasley, and, and I think Beasley had the defender on his back, so he thought he could stick it in there. But Bayard came from the other side of the field, and, and it, it, you know, it became, you know, he just didn't see him. Because you could, I mean, I guess we're looking at it right now, and there's no question he did not see Kevin Bayard at all. So, yeah, that one had a little different feel. It's still the kind of thing you have to learn from because you know the old, the old cardinal sin of quarterbacking is you can't throw the ball late over the middle. Right. But ideally he learns this. But guys like that, to me, I'd be fascinated of how coaches go about coaching quarterbacks that do have great ability to make plays outside of structure improvisationally because you don't want them to make mistakes, obviously, but you don't want to rein them in to the point where they never do that. So I imagine you walk a really fine line in trying to deal with that. Hey, Greg, um, the Bills obviously like what they saw from Duke Williams on Sunday. They felt good enough to trade away Zay Jones uh, yeah. uh, yesterday. But what did what did we expect from Duke Williams? What do you recall about maybe a, a pre-NFL evaluation of his Auburn career and what the Bills might be able to uh, get from Duke Williams uh, the rest of the season? Well, I remember, Murph, we talked about him quite a bit in the preseason because yep. he got a lot of snaps, and and I even thought he'd make the roster you know, uh, coming out, and he didn't. He obviously was on the practice squad. But he's a big receiver. We talked about his red zone ability in the preseason. Obviously, the touchdown was a schemed play. Um, so it wasn't a case where he, you know, it was a contested catch or anything like that. But I think he, he provides third down ability. I mean, you're seeing a throw here where he's essentially covered. And, and Allen made a good throw, and he stuck it on him, and he's got a big body. Uh, and then, again, you know, when you do get into the red zone, that's where a receiver like, like – uh, uh, Williams becomes really a factor. I'm looking forward to seeing him with another week of practice, a week off, and you get to to the, the next part of the season. And I think he can become a meaningful part of this receiver equation. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you about not only do we not know exactly what they're going to ask him to do, but I think the fact that he was in the game and – Zay Jones was relegated out of the game that the evolution that happened in season you yeah. mentioned the evolution that happened after Taron Johnson went down at the nickel spot and how they're changing it with three different guys and different personnel versus different personnel groupings I would expect Duke Williams and the wide receiver core and all the guys available will probably start rotating like that for these games in the up on the future right I mean this is, shows that they're going to yeah. try and tinker with it to get better well, and I also think that someone like, like Duke Williams can be a factor in the RPO game because he's got the big body. You can run slants with him. I mean, they started their second possession with an RPO. That was Brown. But he also hit Williams on an RPO. I think we just saw it. It was seven yards uh, uh, in the second quarter. I think with that kind of big body, 
you know, you work him from the slot on those slants in the RPO game. Uh, you know, so there's a place for Duke Williams as a receiver. And I think depending on how the next, you know, when they start practicing again, how all that goes, uh, I think his snaps could increase. There he is, Greg Cosell. That's not the whole interview, so if you want to listen to the whole thing, you'll have to go on demand at WGR550.com and the Radio.com app to catch that. Last call on the nightcap after this. Quick word on the Sabres when we come back before we get to the Thursday Night Football here on WGR. Last call on the nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. So we get you to Thursday Night Football in just a couple minutes. Giants and Patriots. The Sabres are off to a hot start. 3-0-1. Seven out of eight points. I mean, you pace that out. What are we talking about there? We're talking about... Do some quick math. It's 164 possible points. Eight times eight. So you do eight times uh, seven. No, that's not even close. Never mind what I get. I'm usually good at simple math in my head, but that one just not not uh, not cooperating for some reason. But 7 out of 8 points, I mean, it's obviously a playoff pace. That's a great start to the year. And I'm optimistic that they've run over two teams and played with two others. Now, Columbus, I do think outplayed them, but I thought it was close. Like the Sabres didn't run over by any means. And they got that game to overtime on the road. Then at home against a Montreal team that I think is pretty good, um, they're able to win that game in overtime. Now, I will say this. If they play like they did against Montreal yesterday, they will not be as good as Montreal this season. At least if that stays consistent. If Carey Price is in net for Montreal last night, the Sabres lose that game. Like the Eichel goal, which was six, by the way, in Sports Center top ten, where he flies down the middle of the ice and he rips a wrist shot, five hole, low along the ice. It's a great goal, but I want my goalie to make that save if I'm a Montreal fan. Carey Price makes that save, or at least most of the time makes that save, more often than Keith Kincaid, at least. So, if Carey Price is in net, my guess is the Sabres don't win that game last night. And that's part of, you know, Montreal's MO. I mean, they're built on goaltending. Um, But you have to be, if you want to be better than Montreal, because they will almost always have the advantage in net with Carey Price, you will have to be somewhat better than them everywhere else. The blue line, uh, forwards, and I thought last night it was close to 50-50. It was close to 50-50. I would give the Sabres maybe a slight edge. You know, you look at scoring chances, they were the same. Expected goals four. I think the Sabres are a little bit higher. Um, shot attempts. Puck possession. Thought the Sabres had a good game. Gotta get Sabotka off the second line, though. Why are we still doing this? Unbelievable. I, I can't believe he's still on the second line. I can't believe it. Call up CJ Smith. Call up Tage Thompson. Call up anybody. Skinner and Johansson are playing great, and they're playing shorthanded. Anyways, there's not much to complain about with the Sabres right now. It's number 17 might be the only thing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll get you Thursday Night Football right after this here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.